That definitely is the best I've ever heard Brother Sam sing. <laughs> you know, if they didn't give him a mic. <clears throat> I can't, I can't say anything. They don't give me one either. Amen. <laughs> Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 20. 1 Kings chapter 20. Are you glad to be saved tonight? Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, it's just good to know that you're going to heaven. It's good to know uh, what Jesus Christ has done for us. Went to Calvary, died in our place. We could have eternal life. I'll tell you what, it just doesn't get any better than that. Praise the Lord for His goodness to us. 1 Kings chapter 20. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to this evening. I'm going to look at a, we're not going to read the whole scripture here. There's, I'm really trying to get you to a point here. I'm going to point out something, and, and we're not going to preach about uh, this man necessarily, but um, there's just, there's something here that I think that is definitely needed for us to see and to understand in our hearts and lives. Chapter 20, verse 1 says, And Benadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his hosts together, and there was Thirty and two kings with him, and horses and chariots, and he went up and besieged Samaria and warred against it. And he sent messengers to Ahab, king of Israel, into the, into the city, and he said unto him, Thus saith Benadad, uh, Thy silver and thy gold is mine, thy wives also and thy children, even the goodliest, are mine. And the king of Israel, which was Ahab, Answered and said, My Lord, O king, according to thy saying, I am thine and all that I have. Seems kind of strange when you read that. If you know anything about King Ahab, he was a wicked, wicked, wicked king. Here he is, he's besieged. He's, uh, they've surrounded the city. And they've got 32, uh, what was it, 32 kings with him. That means that their armies was with them. And there was no escape. And so he sends them in and he says, everything that you have basically is mine. He said, Ben Dad says, I want you to understand something here. He said, everything you got, it's mine. And Ahab comes back and he says, everything, it's yours. Absolutely everything. He said, even his wives, his children, Everything. Basically, look here again, verse 4 says, And the king of Israel, which is Ahab, answered and said, My Lord, he called him my Lord, O king, according to thy saying, what you just said, I am thine and all that I have, absolutely everything. I'd like to preach a message, absolute surrender. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. Lord, we need the touch of heaven. We need the direction of God. We need the Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts and our minds concerning this area that we're looking at tonight, absolute surrender. And Lord, I pray that, that I might surrender my heart and life and my tongue, even at this very moment, Lord, that you might have control over what's preached, what's said, what's illustrated. And Lord, I pray now that you get the honor and glory. Help us, Lord, to draw near to you. Help us to serve you. And Lord, may we say, all that I have and all that I am is thine. For this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. Well, Benadad had asked was absolute surrender. When you look at that, that's what it really was. And Ahab gave, uh, gave was what he asked for. He gave him that absolute surrender. You go on and you read that he, if you wanted to go on and read the rest of it, there was, he was trying to get 
Ahab to come out and fight against him. They talk goes on, but we're not going to get into that. I want you to consider this tonight, this, what he said here. He said that everything I've got, everything, my, 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 my life, everything, it's yours. It was absolute surrender. And he was yielding to, to what was told him. Uh, you know, though he was wicked and surrendering there, I believe that there's a message here for us. The conditions of God's blessings is dependent upon our absolute surrender. And many times we don't realize the importance of a surrendered life unto the Lord. Many times today, Christians, they, they try to live their lives the way they want to live their lives. They try to do their part, you know, put in a little part of their life for the Lord, try to say that, you know, give God a little bit of a, uh, a token here or there, but never really surrendering their lives completely to the Lord. And that is so needed in our day and time. You see, if we're going to see the blessings of God, we're going to have to surrender to the Lord, an absolute surrender. If our hearts are willing for that, there's no end to what God's blessings can be in our lives. If we'll come to a place where we'll do that. Many years ago, a great preacher over in England was in Scotland. His name's Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray was, was preaching and he was at, a, at some place there and he was talking to a, uh, an older godly man that was training up preachers and training up people in, in the church, trying to train him to serve the Lord. And he was a very godly man and, and was full of wisdom. And Andrew Murray went to him. And was talking with him there in Scotland, and he, he asked him, he said, uh, in your opinion, he said, I value your opinion, he said, uh, what do you think the church needs today? What is the message that you think that the church needs to hear? And the man didn't even hesitate. He looked at Andrew Murray in the eyes, and he said, absolute surrender unto the Lord. Absolute surrender unto the Lord. You know, I think about our churches today. I think about our homes. I think about our Christian lives. I think about our nation. And I think that's where we're at. We need to get back to an absolute surrender unto the Lord. I think that we have divided it up and our surrender is not unto the Lord like it ought to be. And... Before I get on into the rest of the message here, let me say this. I don't think that it's necessarily that we've chosen it to be that way. I don't think that we've said, no, I'm going to divide my, uh, my life up and I only want God to have part of it and I want part of it to do what I want to do and then I'll give God a little bit. I don't think that we've done that. I don't think that's, for the most part, for most people, most people in church, that, that's not been their attitude. But I think that what happens a lot of times is that when we think about absolute surrender, we don't think we can do it. We don't think we can accomplish it. We don't think we can get there. And so we struggle with it. We may go to an altar and say, Lord, I, I want to surrender to you. And then in the back of our mind, we're thinking, I don't know how I can. I don't know how I can, I can accomplish that. And so we struggle with it. And we struggle with that need of absolute surrender. That need has never changed that that, that Scottish uh, 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 teacher or preacher or whatever he was had told Andrew Murray. Our need today is the same. The great question comes to us today, though, are we willing? 
Are we willing to take our lives and surrender our lives absolutely into the hands of God? I think if we would, I think that we would begin to see great and mighty moves of people, multitudes getting saved and lives being changed. I think we would see revivals and the flame of fire reach across our churches again and, and be a, a place of, of great worship and, and, the, and a stirring of God's power and might in the churches again. I think we'd see the pulpits of men preaching with power and might and see the hand of God moving from the pulpits again if preachers would surrender. But I think that, that we would see the churches on fire for God if, if, the, if the folks in the pews would surrender unto the Lord. I think that's where we're at. You see, God expects your surrender. He expects it. He not only desires it, He expects it. We find over in Romans chapter 6 and verse 13, it says, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but notice what He says, but yield yourselves unto God. A yielding is a surrender. If you have, a, have an army out here and they yield to the other army, they're surrendering unto them. And for us to yield unto the Lord is to surrender unto Him. It goes on and says, as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Otherwise, surrendering or yielding unto the Lord, He expects us to do that. And yet, what's He getting in our day and time? We find in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That is a... That is a yielding. That is a surrender when you present your body as a living sacrifice. It's, uh, it is that surrender. And throughout the scripture, we could can, we can go to other verses that point out the need of the Christian to surrender their lives absolutely unto the Lord. Letting Him have control. Letting Him guide and direct in every area of our lives. Not just part of our lives, but in every area. Yet we struggle with that absolute surrender. Maybe because of a a lack of understanding of what it is or, the, or feeling that it's impossible to. You know, that ink pen, I'm not a, I, I don't have the greatest handwriting in the world, but I can write. And, and I've looked at a lot, of, a lot of these young people's handwriting, and I think mine's as good or better. <laughs> Some of them, you can't even read them. But... That, to give you an example of that, that pen in my hand is absolutely surrendered to that hand. And when it's absolutely surrendered to that hand, I can write properly. Come here, Wyatt. But if we're, if I'm, I'm going to put this in because I don't trust you. <laughs> but if I'm trying to write and he takes a hold of part of the pen too, that is not absolute surrender. That pen is not absolute surrender to my hand. Now I'm having to work with his hand, and that's what I figured. That's the reason I didn't put that. And that's what happens. That's not an absolute surrender to this hand. Something else, put it back up there again. Something else has control. Even if he's just trying to go along with me, and I, and I say, well, let's, let's spell out Wyatt. And we like get there, and, and it would be a messy Wyatt, I guarantee you. Because it's not absolute surrender to this hand. It's not absolute surrender to that hand. So therefore, it does not accomplish 
a good handwriting or writing properly. I think you follow what I'm saying. Okay? But if it's in my hand and I, and I write Wyatt, it'll be written properly. It'll look a little bit better. It'll stay within the lines. If I put it in his hand and he writes Wyatt, I'll have to stand here and tell him how to spell it. But anyway, the... the <laughs> But the fact is this, God wants your life in his hand, absolutely surrendered to his hand, not your hand in his hand. This, uh, and it's probably a poor illustration, this suit coat is surrendered to this body. It's covering this body, okay? Uh, it's yielded. When I move, this, this coat yields to it. Now, if I button it, this button might not yield so well, and somebody might get killed when it pops off. But anyway, we're, we're yielded. It's yielded to this body. It moves with me. It's yielded to it. It's surrendered to this body. If we just go back into the Old Testament, which we're in the Old Testament, but look at the temple of God that Solomon built. They built the temple of God, and Solomon came in, and he, he dedicated that temple to the Lord. It wasn't, it wasn't dedicated to be the, the, the temple of God and to be a grocery store. It was dedicated to be the temple of God. It wasn't dedicated to be the temple of God and uh, an amusement park. It was dedicated to be the temple of God. When it was dedicated and when Solomon was done praying, you can go back and you look at the Bible says that the glory of God filled the house, okay? It filled that temple. So much so that the priest and those that were standing there had to leave out, get out of the temple because God took complete control and He filled the house. It was yielded. It was surrendered. Absolute surrender. This is the temple of God. He said He would put His name there. He said he would meet with them there. And even Solomon, when he prayed, he said, when we go astray and when we, when we go and you lead us, allow us to go out into captivity, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said, when we will pray to this place where you have taken full control, that you would save us and lead us out of that country or whatever. That was an absolute filling, an absolute control of that temple. The Bible says that each one of us here that know Jesus Christ as our Savior, that our bodies have become the temple of God. You hear me quoted over and over again. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. For you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and spirit which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. So we are the temple of God. And this body is to be yielded. It is to be surrendered. Absolute surrender unto the Lord. He expects it of you and I. That we would yield to the Spirit of God that dwells within us. You're sitting here and you're looking at me. But within me dwells the Holy Spirit of God. If you're saved, within you dwells the Holy Spirit of God. It's hard for us to stop and really fathom that, but... God lives within us. And that's not to be taken lightly. And because He lives within us, 
He wants to have complete control, and that's going to take absolute surrender on our part. And so we see that taking place there. We, we realize that the Lord expects that of our lives. Not only does God expect your surrender and my surrender, absolute surrender, but God is the one that accomplishes that surrender. What? I thought that I had to do all this stuff. I thought that I was the one that had to get down and I had to work through this thing and I had to go that and get rid of this and do this and do all kinds of things. Well, there's partially there, but here's what I want you to understand. Many will say, well, I've tried it and it requires too much and I fail. I've preached, I've went to the altar so many times and I've, Lord, I surrender my life to you and I get up and I do pretty good for a day or two or maybe a week or two. Maybe I go off to camp. And I surrender to the Lord and I say, Lord, uh, take me, use me. I surrender to you. And next thing you know, it seems like I'm back where I was before. There's a problem there that we run into. And many times we get discouraged with that. And so we quit really surrendering, you might say, unto the Lord. And some of us don't realize that, hey, listen, the Lord will help us in that area of surrender. He, he wants us to be. He wants God is the one that accomplishes that surrender in life. Uh, sometimes uh, we try so much, uh, uh, and then we, we find that we have too much self remaining within us. But you see, the Lord doesn't ask you to give the perfect surrender. The Lord hasn't said that you had to be perfect because He knows that you and I cannot be perfect. Sometimes we fail to realize that. We can, and so he doesn't ask you to do it in your strength. But he asks you to do it in his ability and because he's willing to work in you. We find over in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let me read that again. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's like this. We're like, the Lord has a will for your life. And he knows that you're not able to accomplish by yourself in your strength what he wants to do. You don't necessarily, do you know what the will of God is for your life? Complete? No, you don't, do you? None of us do, but God does. Now remember, we're the temple of the Holy Ghost, so God lives within us. So the one that has the plan, who has the, the, that has the knowledge of the will of God, dwells within us because he's God. And he said, I dwell within you. And he said, it, it, I will do my will. He said, I will put my will within your life. And he said, I will accomplish that which brings pleasure to me through you. And so in order to have an absolute surrender and we're, we don't have that perfect flesh, you might say, and we don't have that ability like we ought to, like we want to, God says, I will do it in and through you. I will bring that place of surrender in your life. I will bring that absolute surrender. I will help you reach that place of absolute surrender in your life. And that's what we should seek, to fall on our faces before God and to begin to say, Lord, I know that, that you want absolute surrender in my life, and that's what I want too. 
And then admit that, Lord, I'm not able to accomplish that by myself. I'm not able to do that. But God, it's what I want. And so, Lord, I yield to you and I ask you to to do your will and and do that which brings pleasure to you in my life and bring me forth and, and, and help me to come to a place of that absolute surrender to follow you. You see, it's when we get on our face before the Lord and we begin to learn that God himself, he'll come and turn out that which is wrong in our lives and he'll conquer the evil and, and, and to work that which is well-pleasing in his sight. He's the one that wants to work that in your life. You see, a lot of people think that they've got to clean up their lives before they can get saved. That's not the case. You can't clean up your life enough to get saved. God's the one that has to clean it up. As a Christian, you can't, you can't get to a place of complete surrender on your own. You have to have the hand of God help you get there. You have to have Him doing the work in your life. You have to have Him helping you remove those things. You see, God Himself will work it in you. It's, part, you know, it's our part, though, to take a hold of the Word of God and to trust the Lord in, in the work that He wants us to do and wants, and wants to do in us. It's our part to trust Him. It's our part to come to Him. Here's part of the problem today why we don't have the absolute surrender in the church. It's because we've got to a place in, in, the, in the church, in Christians' lives, we don't desire it. We don't desire it. I'm going to say it again. We don't desire it. We're just satisfied to live a pretty good life and go to church, sing our songs, hear the bald-headed preacher get up and preach, put a little money in the offering plate, go home, read our Bibles a little bit, pray a little bit, and repeat it all week long. When God says, I have so much more for you if you will have absolute surrender in your life. And so the problem is, is that we don't find that place on the ark. Do you know what revival is? When a Christian finally yields unto the Lord. That's revival. That's real revival. That's absolute surrender. Because then God begins to work, and He begins to work that, that work in your life. It'll change you. We find over in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 5, it says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Otherwise, uh, Paul's right. He said, you know, I'm not able to do what I need to do, but God is. God is. And so I've got to find a place where in my life where I'm willing to get on an altar, where I'm willing to get along with God, where I'm getting, where I'm willing to yield unto Him and have a desire for Him to take me and to use me. I mentioned this morning that I watched the uh, a CD last night of Brother Parker, my pastor, over the years of his life. They did an interview with him and, and, and recorded some things and just to hear about his life and some things that took place. Uh, in his life and how God used that to get him to surrender. He had surrendered to a place that he'd never, he'd never preached, never really been a preacher. And, and there was that time in his life that uh, 
God had dealt with him. He said, and he told the Lord, I'll sing. I'll, you know, I'll sing. And everything. He liked to sing, and he's a good singer, and had the family. They could sing. And, but when my sister-in-law, his daughter, Cheryl, was young, him and his brother-in-law went fishing out at Clearwater Lake. When he got back, he found out, and the word was left for him, that they had taken Cheryl and and they put her on ambulance and took her to Popper Bluff to the hospital. She had been playing around out back and on the back porch, and there was a, a jug of kerosene back there, and she drank that kerosene, that kerosene. And he said, he said, I changed my clothes, and he said, I headed for the hospital. And he said, all the way to the hospital, basically, me and God was talking. And he said, I'll do anything you want. Let me let that little girl live. And he came to that place uh, where God began to deal with his heart and he began to preach, fill in, preach some. Before long, he became a pastor. And, and on down the roads, God used him in a tremendous way. A little old town of about 2,300. A church that one time, uh, when I was there, we run over 300 and some in that little church, uh, big church really, in, in a small town. And, and we, there's been missionaries went out there and evangelists and on the foreign fields and, and preachers in different places across this nation come out of that church. And it's because a man surrendered, come to a place in his life. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to put something like that in your life, get you surrendered. What I'm saying is this. There comes a time in our lives that God says, listen, listen I, I want you to completely surrender so that I can bless your life, so that I can use you in a powerful way, so that I can see some great and mighty things take place in your life and in your heart. That great desire should be in our hearts and lives to see God do something. It's God that's going to do that work. You see, we're not sufficient enough to live the absolute surrendered life, but, but God, Jesus Christ, which dwells within us, is sufficient. And, it's, and, it's, and, and He is our sufficiency. Uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's through Christ. And so He wants to... He, he's the one that can bring about that surrender. He's the one that can, can, can cause us to, to accomplish that surrender in our lives. Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21 says, Now the, the God of peace that brought, that brought again from the, the dead of our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Notice what it says, Make you perfect in every good work to do His will. He's the one that's going to make you. He's the one He's going to do the work there. Working in you. That which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Otherwise, working in your life. But here's what it takes. Listen to me. This is what it takes. It's not sitting in a pew that's going to get us there. It's getting on our faces before God that's going to get us there. A, a place of, of surrender. A place of, you say, well, preacher, I just, I've tried to surrender. I can't get it. No, but it's that desire to be surrendered. Wanting God to, Lord, here I am. I'm yielding to you. I'm going to trust you to do the work that you want to do in my life. Take me and use me. Amen. You see, what we're trying to do, we're trying to do it in our own power. 
We're trying to do it in our own ability. Well, I'll, I'll put this aside. I'll do this aside. And I'm going to do this. 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 And I'm going to shove this aside. And I'm going to shove this aside. And we've got all these things that we're going to do so that we're completely surrendered unto the Lord. My friend, can I tell you something? That's you doing it. It's not God doing it. I'm not saying that there's some things that we shouldn't say no to and, and yes to, but what I am saying is if you're trying to do it in your power and trying to clean all this out and do all this by yourself, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. And because of that surrender in our lives, many Christians sit in the pews today and say, well, it costs too much. Well, I look at it this way. What if I walked up to you and said, um, Dustin, I'll give you what I got my bill for, for $500,000. Would you give me the $500,000? Probably not. Then I reach in my bill full, and I pull out a check for $2 million. What seemed to cost a lot would have rewarded so much. And in our Christian lives, we're trading off pennies for millions, spiritually speaking. Because we won't surrender. And because we won't allow God to do what He wants to do. And we're missing what God, the blessings of God, what He wants in our lives to, to change us, to make us what He wants us to be. So the great need on our part is to come before the Lord and to seek Him to do the work in our lives and bring us into an absolute surrender to His will and plan for our lives. Then also, thirdly, I want you to know God accepts. Now this, you're going to call me a heretic here, but God accepts weak surrender. God accepts weak surrender. You see, the best that you can give God is junk compared to what God has. Your very best and my very best is weakness compared to God. Every one of us in this room, we're fallible, we're weak. And we come to the Lord and we say, I want to surrender to you. And yet, we have that hesitation. We have that, that uh, hesitancy in our lives about really giving everything. And we struggle with it. And we battle with it. But you know what? God says, I'll accept it. I'll accept it. You see, in Psalms, Psalms 44, verse 21 says, Shall not God search out, search this out, uh, for he knoweth the secrets of the heart? You see, sometimes it's what we do and what we want to do. There's two different things there. In our hearts, we really want to surrender to the Lord. We really want to do that absolute surrender. But in our flesh, we come up so short. But God knows your heart. And He knows if you really want to surrender. If he know, and He knows if you really want to yield to Him. 
there in first, verse 10 of that, of that same, uh, of Jeremiah, verse 10 of Jeremiah 17, he says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. He says, I know what's in your heart. One of the needs in our lives is that our hearts would say, yes, Lord, I want to serve you. I want that surrender of mine. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to yield to you. But I struggle with it. I have problems. When we come to that place of desire to surrender to the Lord, we find that our surrender is faced with great struggles, but it's because we're imperfect people. Even as the Apostle Paul said, Romans chapter 7, verse 19 says, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Apostle Paul. And you see the struggles. He said, that which is good, that which that surrender unto God that I want to do, they said, I don't accomplish it. Not in my flesh. And those things that I say, no, I'm not going to do that. He says, I wind up doing that. Because of the struggles in his life, in the flesh. But the Lord knows the heart and our imperfections. And we should be like the father as he asked Jesus to heal his son who was possessed by a demon. There in Mark chapter 9, and as Jesus had come down off of the mountain, he's seen people uh, uh, gathering around and asking the apostles and different ones questions. And there was an uproar and Jesus asked him what was going on basically and he said, I brought my son to, to your, your disciples and to, to heal him, to cast out this demon or whatever it is, and, and they couldn't. And then Jesus, as he approaches him and talks to him about it, and Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? If you can believe, I'll heal your son. If you can believe in me, if you can believe that I can do this, then it'll happen, is what he was telling him. What did the man say? And straightway the father, the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe. But he didn't stop there. He said, help thou mine unbelief. You see, what it boils down to is this. Even though that man had a measure of faith, he admitted to God, I don't have the faith in you that you're asking for. He said, I don't have that faith. He says, I want to. And the reason he said, you say, how do you know he said, I want to? Because he says, help thou mine unbelief. He said, Lord, I believe, but boy, there's some doubts in my mind. There's some struggles that I'm having right now. And I really, I believe in you, but I'm struggling with this. Would you help me with my unbelief? When we go to an altar and we surrender to the Lord, say, Lord, I surrender to you the best I can, but, oh, Lord, would you help me to surrender to you? Would you help my surrender? Would you help me to yield? Would you do this work in my life? Lord, I'm trusting you, but I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. But many times we don't want to take that step. You see, it takes getting serious about living for God to take that step. 
The question is, and, and here we are on Wednesday, or Sunday night, and people come back, at, you know, don't have the crowd that we had this morning. And, but the crowd's back tonight, and it's here tonight, and this is, boy, this is generally your, your strong crowd. This is the people that you, that's standing for the Lord. And yet, many of us would have to say, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. We struggle with it. We struggle with that part of us that, that is that's saying, Lord, I want to, but I don't think I can do it. And I think if the Lord was standing there beside us, he'd say, you know what? You're right. You can't. I think in one way he looked at this, he could have been looking at this man and said, I know you believe a little bit. What did he do? Did he say, well, you don't have enough, you don't have enough faith? No. He cast the demon out of the boy and healed the boy. Even though that man had weak faith, you realize that God will accept your weak surrender? Why? Because he's going to build it in a little bit. I guarantee you after he had cast that demon out of that boy and that boy was healed, I guarantee you that that level of faith that was here on that man went like that. And when we yield to the Lord and that absolute surrender in our lives, as we surrender that weak surrender that we have and He accepts it, it begins to grow. We begin to allow Him to do great and mighty things. That imperfect faith, that imperfect surrender, He will accept it. And then the Lord maintains that surrender. You know, a lot of times, I mentioned a while ago, you know, we go to camp, we're getting ready to go to camp, so I'm going to camp here in, uh, in July, the first part of July here, and and sometimes you get to camp and, man, boy, everything's on fire and you make some commitments and, and you go to that altar and you surrender, Lord, whatever you want in my life. If you want me to be a preacher, if you want me to be a missionary, if you want me just to, to work a regular job and, 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 and be a witness and a testimony, Lord, I surrender for whatever you want. We get home. Boy, on fire for a little while. And then it begins to play out, it seems like. You know why? Because we haven't allowed God to maintain that surrender in our life. God says, I'll take care of it if you'll let me. I'll maintain that surrender. If you'll trust me, if you'll seek me to keep that surrender going. The matter of surrender, there, there's two Involved in surrender. God and me. Or God and you. Can I tell you this? That uh, the I there or the me or the you is a worm. What? We're a worm. We're of no value. We're all the lowest on the totem pole. But God, He's the everlasting, the all-powerful Jehovah God. Amen. That's right. And what you've got to realize is that the all-powerful 
everlasting Jehovah God dwells. This, this I don't understand why. But he dwells in the worm. Why would he do that? Because he loves us. Because he wants us to be surrendered. Because he wants to pour out his blessings. Because he wants that fellowship. Because he, he desires for us to experience him and to know him in a greater way continually. It takes two. But you've got to understand that he's the one. I'm weak, but he's strong. And my strength apart from him is nothing to be, uh, to be able to maintain the surrender unto him. So it's the Lord that must maintain that work which he started in me. When I went to that altar and I said, Lord, I surrender to you. I want you to take me and I want you to use me. I, Lord, whatever you want in my life, I'm willing to do whatever you want in my life. Lord, I'm struggling with this. I, I know. I, oh, Lord, I, I want to do whatever you want me to do. But, boy, I don't want to go to the deepest, deepest darkest Africa. And, and, and Lord, uh, live among the mosquitoes down there. And Lord, don't send me to wherever. Don't send me over, over there into Nepal, up in the mountains where it's cold all the time, Lord. And Oh, my. Don't send me but I'll do anything you want me to do. And we struggle with that. Did the preacher that ever happen to you? Sure it did. I was working with teenagers. I loved working with teenagers. I was a youth pastor for 17 years, and I loved it. During the years that, those years there, people asked me, and I, and, I, and I loved to preach. And I'd preach revivals. I preached a lot of revivals during that time. People asked me, you think you'll ever pastor? I said, no. <laughs> Don't you want pastor? Absolutely not. But I had surrendered to God whatever he wanted. And slowly, he began to change my heart. I've heard preachers say, I just... I didn't, man, you know, I, I pack them bags every time and set them down beside the pulpit and I'm ready to quit after every sermon. Not me, I'm ready to preach another one. You just won't stay around. You say, well, preacher, I thought we used giving us two every time. God changed my heart. And even Janine's asked me, she said, what would you do if you wasn't pastoring? I said, I, I don't know. I cannot imagine not pastoring. Cannot imagine not preaching. And God changed my heart, and I could not listen to me. I could not get away from it. I could not. Could not. That's God. That wasn't me. I wasn't looking for that. But all oh, the blessings doesn't mean there wasn't difficulties. Doesn't mean there's not going to be difficulties. Doesn't mean there's struggles, and not going to be struggles. No, those were all there still, all through the ministry. Yeah, there's struggles, and there's heartache. 
I got, I got a text this evening for this afternoon. I see him this evening before I come and preach. He said, I'm disappointed in you. That hurts. And I said, I don't know why I'm, how I disappointed you, but I'm sorry. And I apologize for it, whatever it was. But you know what? I serve God. I don't serve man. And will I disappoint you? Mm-hmm. Probably will. Why? Because I'm flesh. I'm a worm. But you know what? I got a mighty God that lives inside of me. A wonderful God. And you know what? We do our best, but our best comes up short. But oh, how we ought to want to surrender to God and magnify the Lord. Oh, He's so good. He is a wonderful Savior. He's a mighty God. He's a wonderful God. He maintains that surrender for us. So it's the Lord's got to do that. And Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing. Now listen to this. That he which hath begun a good work, that was Jesus Christ, in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He said, I can maintain it. He said, if you'll trust me, if you'll follow me, he said, I can maintain it for you. You're not having to try to do all these things to maintain. No, he says, listen, if you'll trust me, if you'll follow me, he said, I can maintain it. Yes, he trims your life. He works in your life. He causes those changes in your life. It's by his grace and working in our lives to keep us from, uh, keep us where we need to be. But listen, I've got to desire him to do that in my life. I've got to desire him. A yielded life to allow him to do the, the work he desires to do in my life. And to trust him to do it. Then we'll see the blessings come down. The blessings beyond our understanding when we yield to that absolute surrender of the Lord. I think we're afraid of surrender. I think we're afraid that we can't completely surrender. But he accepts the weak surrender. He's the one that can do the work in our lives. He's the one that desires to do the work in our lives. You see, He does the work. We can't live the Christian life. He lives the Christian life through us. And we must trust Him to do so. But we must have a desire. Lord, I'm Yours. And all that I have is Thine. All that I have is thine. I'm yours. Absolute surrender unto the Lord. But preacher, where will, he, where will he take me? I don't know, but it'll be good. Preacher, what will he do in my life? I don't know, but it'll be good. But preacher, what? I don't know, but it'll be right. Absolute surrender unto the Lord. Every head bowed. Father, I thank you. That you will do the work. We're unable to. You desire absolute surrender. If we're to see the blessings, we must surrender and yield our lives to you. But Lord, it doesn't come by just hearing 
the preached word. It doesn't come by just reading the Bible. It must come by that step of yieldedness, a desire for you to take complete control of our lives. Then you can, and then you'll accept, even though it's weak surrender, you'll accept it. And you'll work and do the work that only God can do in our lives. And you'll maintain it. And you'll accomplish that which pleases you when we trust you. Have your will and way in this invitation, Lord. And if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ their Savior, though I did not preach a message of salvation, Lord, would you draw them that we could take a Bible and show them how to be saved? Have your will and way in the invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?